thank God eh? uh, for, for that progress as we see our young people um, even uh, having that desire to study the word of God, to recite it to us. And may God bless them as when uh, we continue together as they hear the word of God. Um, let me say, um, we want to welcome uh, Brother Bakang, Brother Bakang Jonas. Um, if you remember Huiti, Huiti was here from last year and, and, and this year as well, and he moved to, to Pretoria. So Bakang came through uh, Huiti. So we thank God for, for that, uh, Brother Bakang, uh, feel at home. Um, even as you worship the Lord, even in the hearing of the word of God. Amen. We continue this week with our series. We are doing a series on Matthew chapter 5, um, on Christ-like attitudes, chapter 5, verse 1 to 12. And we are, um, we've looked at uh, verse um, 1 and 2, then we looked at verse 3 uh, on the poor in spirit. We looked at verse 4 last week. Today, we look at verse 5, Matthew chapter 5 verse 5. Um, we're looking at the Christ-like attitude. And I'm reading um, Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read just verse 1, uh, just for the context, verse 1 until verse 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 until verse 5. This is the reading of God's word. Let us hear him. It says, seeing the crowds, he came uh, on the mountain. He, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the verse that we are going to focus on today, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth and this is god's word let us pray heavenly father lord we thank you thank you for your grace thank you lord for you to bring us here together thank you for um, the love that we have in your son jesus christ even as uh, the apostle john writes to the believer saying behold how great a love the father has bestowed upon us that we be called his children, and such we are. Indeed, Father, that is something that we rejoice in, the fact that we are found in Christ, that we have been redeemed by his blood. We pray that even as we come to, to, to you today to hear from your word, you will open our hearts to receive it with joy, O oh Lord, to practice it in our lives, to be lights in this world, O oh God. We pray, Father, help us, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we, we, we're going to focus on verse 5, which says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, when we, when we look at these uh, uh, Beatitudes, especially verse 5, it is not hard to observe that Jesus Christ is presenting a countercultural message. It's a message that was opposite to the cultural expectations of Israel. The, the idea of the kingdom in the mind of a Jew 
was one that was going to overthrow the Roman government. They were expecting a kingdom that was going to overthrow the Roman government. Therefore, their expectations of, of, the, of the Messiah was one who, who would come riding on a white horse with a sword in his hand, hungry for Roman blood to free them from their oppression. When you think about the contemporary Jewish scene, it was dominated by four religious um, groups. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, and the Essenes. The Pharisees were religious conservatives who, who longed to see Rome overthrown and, and hoped that this would happen when God raised up a mighty Messiah who would stage a spectacular revolution. And uh, the Sadducees um, were fewer than the Pharisees. They were the well-educated, and, and nearly all of them were, were, were priests. They were the highly political people. They were drawn from the wealthy classes and looked for an economic solution to the nation's problems. Now, the zealots were fiercely patriotic. They, 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 they hated the Roman overlords. These were the most violent out of all these groups. And they believed that paying taxes to a, to a pagan emperor was, um, it was, it was treason against God. They looked for a military solution and would, um, they had a group of, 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 of zealots who, whose work was to assassinate anyone they believed to be against the Jewish state. And the Essenes were, on the other hand, the passive ones. They distanced themselves from all social responsibility and withdrew contact from, uh, with the outside world going into desert communities. They, they wanted nothing to do with financial, social, or, or, or military enterprises. And they believed that the key to future greatness was in reclusive lifestyle, far from the communities. You see, all four of these groups had a desire to see um, the restoration of their country's fortune. But their ideas as to how that will come were nowhere near Jesus' message. The message of Jesus in, 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 in regards to the kingdom of heaven was totally different from their expectations. Let, let me give you John MacArthur's summary of, 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 the, of the situation. He says this. He says, in such in such for a restoration of the country's fortunes, the Pharisees sought a miraculous answer. The Sadducees sought a materialistic answer. The Zealots sought a military answer. And the Essenes sought a monastic answer. Yet Jesus cut right across all four philosophies and taught that the meek will inherit the earth. Only the meek will inherit the earth. This was completely countercultural. It was completely different. Now, let, let, let us think for a minute. 
If Jesus exalts meekness as a virtue, that must characterize those who are citizens of the kingdom, those who identify themselves with him, those who are pursuing Christ-likeness, then it means that we must seek to know what it means to be meek. We must ask ourselves, what does it mean? Because Jesus Christ, what does he do? He exalts it as a virtue to have. He says, blessed are the meek. Now for us is to understand what does he mean when he says, blessed are the meek? What does he mean by the meek? And I want us, uh, first of all, to, to note, as, because we are in verse 5, to note the logical connection to the other beatitude we have seen, we have already seen. First in verse 3, we see the poor in spirit. Here is, is when we come to an awareness of our unworthiness and, and our insufficiency before God. And secondly, we, we see the, 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 those who mourn. And this is a recognition of the corruption of the heart that, that results in mourning over our lost condition and our sins before God. Thirdly, as a result of encountering God and seeing ourselves in light of who he is, we meekly submit to him. Like all the other Beatitudes, it naturally breaks into two parts. There is a blessing conferred on the meek and a promise to the meek. So I want us to see two things here. I want us to see what it means to be meek and I want us to see the promise that is made to the meek. First of all, what does it mean to be meek? Jesus says, blessed are the meek. You see, the word meekness is a multi-layered word. And I am convinced that it cannot be encompassed by a single definition. It is like peeling an onion. There is layer after layer after layer. That the more you peel this onion, uh, the more you, 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 it becomes clearer and clearer. The, the word meek can also be translated as, a, as, as, as gentle, as being gentle. And it's from the Greek word that means to be mild, to be, to be soft. In the first century, it was used of, of wild animals or, or colts that have been tamed by a trainer so that they can do useful work. The picture that must easily come to your mind right now um, is of trainers in a, circuit, in, a, in a circus where wild animals are tamed and they are trained to do whatever the trainer um, wants them to do. Where you see a lion in a circus uh, uh, jumping around, uh, uh, listening to the, to the orders of the trainer, right? It comes to mind, right? That's, that's the word. Um, that's what it means to, to be meek. And, and John MacArthur explains that the word meekness or, or, or gentleness, as a human attitude, it, it, it meant being gentle in spirit. It meant being meek, being submissive, being quiet, and being tender-hearted. 
meekness, when we look at the New Testament, is a virtue that, is com- that, that Christians are commanded to put on and, and to aim at. And Christians are, are repeatedly exhorted uh, to be meek or, or, or gentle. Gentleness as well is a requirement for those who are holding a church office. In other words, a, a pastor or, or, or an elder must be characterized by meekness or, or gentleness. As we look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3. And, and again, a quiet and gentle spirit among wives is counted in God's sight as very precious. God counts it as very precious, a quiet and gentle spirit. It is the opposite of harshness, of a grasping spirit, of vengefulness, of self-glorification, and lack of self-control. That is the opposite. And let me remind you that this virtue is a necessary fruit in the lives of the redeemed. In the lives of those who say, I'm a Christian. It is an indication of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as Christians. Gentleness is counted as one of the fruits of the Spirit enumerated in, 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 in Galatians chapter 5, verse, 23, uh, to, uh, verse 22 to 23. What it means is that it is not a natural thing but something that is brought about as a result of one placing their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It does not come naturally. Martin Lloyd-Jones explains this point here by saying, he says this, he says, it is not a matter of natural disposition because all Christians are meant to be like this. It is not only some Christians. Every Christian, whatever his natural temperament or psychology may be, is meant to be like this. Think of powerful, extraordinary nature, um, the powerful, extraordinary nature of a man like David. And yet we observe his meekness. Jeremiah as well lets us into the secret. He says he was almost like a boiling pot. And yet... He was still meek. Look at a man like Apostle Paul, a mastermind, an extraordinary personality, a strong character, yet consider his utter humility and meekness. No, it is not a matter of natural disposition. It is something that is produced by the Spirit of God. So meekness is not a matter of I was born with this type of character or this type of temperament. It is something by the, that, that is produced in the heart of a believer by the Spirit of God. The question that we must ask then is what are the areas in which meekness is displayed in the life of a Christian? Let me highlight two. Let me highlight two areas. The first area is meekness in relation to God. Meekness in relation to God. See, a Christian who is marked by meekness will be seen in their relationship to God. Because as a Christian, you come to an awareness of your total inability 
and a realization that there is nothing in you that can earn the favor of God. And you see your utter sinfulness and corruption of heart, then you respond to God in a humble spirit. This meekness is brought about when we meditate on the gospel. When we think about the gospel. You see, I'm, I'm convinced that there is nothing that is as pride-shattering as the gospel of God. There's nothing that shatters, that destroys our pride as meditating on the gospel of God. Here's why. The gospel expose, exposes the truth about our true condition. It says that we do not contribute anything to our salvation. There was nothing in us that could attract the saving hand of God. The terms the Bible uses when, when describing our nature before we came to Christ, when describing our nature before God, it, it is not the terms that are particularly uh, uh, impressed about the human nature. It, 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 it paints a dark picture. It shows how dark and depraved the human nature is. It uses terms like this. It says evil, dead in sin and trespasses, blind, deaf, lost, hostile to God, rebellious, without hope, haters of God, desperately wicked. And that does not even begin to scratch the surface. It does not begin to scratch the surface. Utterly depraved before God. Desperately wicked. That is why Charles Spurgeon says that you cannot slander human nature. It is worse than words can tell. It is worse than words can paint it. You see, the brilliance of the gospel shines in the midst of this darkness. And, and says, this is what the gospel says, God has done something about your sin. You, you could not do anything yourself. So God sent his son to be a perfect sacrifice. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin. So that in him, we might be the righteousness of God. God has dealt with sin. God has done something about sin. That is the gospel. It is not our goodness that brings us to God. In fact, our goodness before God is not good enough. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, All our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. In other words, the only righteousness that is perfectly pleasing to God is the righteousness of his dear son, Jesus Christ. And that is the righteousness that pleases God when we believe by faith in him. When we meditate on, on, on this glorious truth, the first thing that must come to mind is, is, is this in your mind. You, you must think, I did not contribute anything to my salvation. I, I have nothing to boast about. I have nothing to be prideful about. My salvation has been by grace and grace alone. 
And, and so when you meditate on the gospel, when you, when you think about the gospel, it produces a meek character in your heart before God. Not only that, but meekness in relation to God is displayed in our submission to his word. It is displayed in our submission to his word. I, 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 see, our attitude towards God's word speaks volumes about the condition of our hearts. Did you hear that? Our attitude towards God's word speaks volumes about the condition of our hearts. The question is, what is your attitude towards God's word? How do you respond when you hear the word of God? When the word of God is addressing the sin that is in your heart, do you respond with humility to the word of God? Do you respond with submission to the word of God? When the word of God is calling you to repentance? Or do you just like those parts that you agree with? You know what they said about Mark Twain? I cannot, uh, I'm not sure about this. But they said Mark Twain uh, uh, did not agree with most of the stuff in the Bible. He, he, there were some things that he did not like. So one day he sat down, he took a Caesar and cut out the parts that he did not agree with. So that he was left with only the parts he was agreeing with. And he said, this is the Bible that I like. Is that your attitude? Although you cannot, you, you, you. You probably have reverence for, for the Bible. You just have that, that, that cultural, religious reverence for the Bible, treating it like a, like a relic. You, you can't cut it with a scissor. But the attitude of the heart is mostly is like that. Maybe I'm digressing, but let me tell you a story about... Uh, there was a, a Chinese... Uh, they, they say this guy really loved his rice. He, he loved his rice with all his heart. He loved rice. If you bring rice, you, you can't bring anything on the table if there's no rice on the table. He won't eat if there's no rice. So he loved rice with all his heart. One day he bought a, a microscope. And uh, so uh, there's a microscope on the table, and there's rice, a bowl of rice, and he's eating rice. And an and idea, a curious idea comes to mind and say, okay, let me see what is in this rice. And he takes the microscope, he puts it on the rice, and he, he looks through the microscope, and the microscope reveals things that are crawling in the rice. He starts to see things that he was not seeing before with his naked eye. The, the microscope exposes things that he was not seeing before. And then he puts the microscope aside and he looks at the rice and he looks at the microscope again. He, he looks at them and he takes the microscope and he smashes it on, on the ground. That's what we do. We love our sin so much. That, that when we look at the word, the, the word exposes things that we did not see before. We look at the word, we, we look at our sin, we, we look at the word and we look at our sin. Instead of, 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 of destroying the sin, we put the word aside. We, we continue with our darling sins. What is your attitude towards the word of God? James says to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, in chapter 1, verse uh, 21, in his letter, 
He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness the implanted word. See, to receive the word with meekness is to see the fact that it is God who is speaking and not mere man. It is not Karabo here who is speaking. It is God who is speaking through the word. It is seeing the authority of God's word. Paul makes this point in his address to, to the Thessalonians. In, 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 in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, he says this. He says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a word, as the word of man, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you as believers. You received it as the word of God and not as the word of man. That is the attitude that we must have towards the word of God. See, for, for, for the word of God to be at work in us, we have to receive it with meekness, knowing that it was given by God himself. To reject the word is to reject God himself. Again, in relation to God, this meekness is displayed in submitting to his will. Submitting to his will. It is a heart that understands that all of God's actions are a result of his, his, his wisdom, his goodness, and his sovereignty. It is in understanding that whatever God does, whatever it is, it is out of his wisdom, it is out of his goodness, and it is out of his love. It is out of his sovereignty. That whatever I'm going through, whether it be a difficult trial, or whether it be moments of joy, God is in control. It is an understanding that a meek heart, when we understand this, that a meek heart responds by submitting to God's will. Thomas Watson says this. He says, the meek-spirited Christian says this, let God do what he will with me. Let him carve out what condition he please. I will submit. God sees what is best for me, whether a fertile soil or a barren one. Let him checker his work as he please. It suffices that God has done it. See, in a moment of pain or, or hardship, the meek do not raise a fist against God. 
but they lift beseeching hands. Because we understand that he is in control and he knows the purpose for which that circumstance is in our lives. Think about the Lord Jesus Christ on his knees in the garden of Gethsemane, sorrowful to the point of death, falling on his face before the Father. He prays, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, for our Lord, the, the, the Father's will was greater than, than, than anything at that moment. It was more important. It was more important than momentary relief. It is out of an understanding that God's plan is infinitely better than anything. We should also seek the will of God far above our comfort, far above relief. Not as I will, but as you will must be our daily prayer. One, 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 one believer said that Christians mostly love to pray, let this cup pass from me. But they never pray, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This must be our daily prayer, seeking the will of God above all. Amen. The, the second area in which this meekness is played in our life is meekness in relation to people. Meekness in relation to, to people. The first is meekness in relation to God. Second, meekness in relation to people. You see, as a Christian, the way you relate with people must testify of the inward work of the Holy Spirit. It must testify of the power of the gospel that is able to save everyone who believes. Your life must be a life that adorns the doctrine of God our Savior. Meekness or, or gentleness must be the crown of your character. It must crown your character. A gentle, a meek Christian. Paul points out to, to the church in Ephesus that to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called is to do so with humility and gentleness, with patience and bearing with one another in love. This is, the, the, this is how we walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. So as Christians... We must be marked by meekness. We must be marked by gentleness in the way we relate with people. Because we are not living outside the communities. We are living right with the people, sometimes people who do not know God. 
and the way we relate with them must testify of the redemptive work of God in our lives. By way of negation, let me demonstrate to you what meekness in relation to people is. First, meekness is opposed to harshness. It's opposed to, to harshness. And this, is, this is being mean in your treatment of other people. It is relating with people in such a way that it is void of gentleness. You are always mean. Paul's call, Paul calls the church in Colossae to take care of their conduct and, and their speech in relation, in regards to outsiders. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, Paul says this. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech, be, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. The fact is our treatment of people can either give us an opportunity to share the gospel with them or it can prevent us to do so. The way we treat other people you know I've seen this a lot I've seen, I've seen how people have this thing of gradations in their minds in terms of, 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 of social um, um, equality. You know, there are people that will look down on someone because they are not working a, a level of, the, the, the level of work as I do. Going in shop right and, and talking to someone as if they are not people, uh, talking to them in harshness, as if you're not a Christian. This is opposed to the life that Jesus Christ says is blessed. As Christians, we must take care of the way we relate and, and the way we, we, we relate with everyone, especially outsiders. They, 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 every way we relate must create opportunities for them to tell them, for, for us to tell them about the love of Christ, about the love of God. Because if you relate with people in harshness, you cannot tell them about Christ who has redeemed you. Secondly, meekness is opposed to being self-serving. It is opposed to being self-serving. Wanting to always come first in everything. Caring more about your own interests more than others. In fact, Paul says that this is opposed to uh, Christ-likeness. He calls the church in Philippi to follow the example of the humility of Christ. In, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 uh, to 8, he says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interest, but to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, 
did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what Paul is saying here is that the mind that Christians are to have is a selfless mind that seeks the best interest of others than your own. So meekness is opposed to being self-serving. Thirdly, meekness is opposed to vengefulness. Meekness is opposed to vengefulness. You see, there is a big problem if you are known as a person not to mess with. If people know you as a person not to cross. Because they know that every time you're crossed, you will definitely get your vengeance some way or another. But that is not an attitude of those who have been redeemed. Those who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. It should be noted that meekness does not mean weakness. It does not mean weakness. It does not mean being a coward or, or being spineless or, or timid. Meekness is strength under control. It implies self-control. The example of our Lord Jesus Christ is one that dispels confusion on this point. On the night of, of his betrayal and arrest, when the Roman soldiers came to him with swords and clubs, he said in Matthew 26, verse, 20, verse 53 and 54, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? He's saying to, to, to them, he has the power to destroy these soldiers. I have the power to destroy you. But I will humbly submit to my father. Peter further explains this about Christ. In, 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 in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, he says, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who, justly, uh, who judges justly. Thomas Watson says to be vengeful is to take God's office out of his hand, who is called the God of recompenses and the God of vengeance, is to take that office out of the, God, uh, out of the hand of God and want to carry it out by yourself. These people who are characterized by meekness are declared blessed. They, they have the favor of God upon their lives. The smile of God is upon them. And Jesus shows, that, shows how that blessing is bestowed by, by showing the promise to the meek. And which leads us to, to our second point, the promise to the meek. The promise to the meek. We have seen what it means to be meek. Now the promise to be meek. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This promise in the beatitude is almost a direct quotation of Psalm 37 verse 11. It says, 
but the meek will, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundance, in abundant peace. In, in this context, we we find David puzzled by the prosperity of the wicked. Eventually, he comes to see that the right attitude to all the inconsistencies and injustices of life is calm and quiet faith in the sovereign providence of God. And that, and that, that faith is the final outcome. Um, is the, the final outcome of that faith is that the meek will inherit the earth. Uh, this promise that Jesus makes here awaits a future fulfillment. Even though that is the case, the promise is sure and it cannot be broken. Jesus says, that, Jesus says with great assurance that it is the meek who shall inherit the earth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 to 23, Paul both warns and assures the Christians, saying to them, So let no one boast in man, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world, or, or life, or, or death, or the present, or the future. All are yours. And you are Christ's. And Christ is God. Basically what Paul is saying here is that because we belong to Christ, our place in the kingdom is as secure as his. And we can look forward to this blessing with joy and expectation. It would do us well to, to meditate on the words of Isaac Watts. In one of his hymns, he says this. He says, how vast is the treasure we possess. How rich thy bounty, king of grace. This world is ours and the world to come. Earth is our lodge and heaven our home. All things are ours, the gift of God, the purchase of a savior's blood. While the good spirit shows us how we use, how to use and to improve them too. If peace and plenty crown my days, they help, they help me, Lord, to speak thy praise. If bread of sorrows be my food, those sorrows work my lasting good. I would not change my blessed estate for all the world calls, for all the world calls good or great. And while my faith can keep hold, I envy not the sinner's gold. Father, I wait thy daily will, for thou shalt divide my portion still. Grant me on earth what seems to you best, till death and heaven reveal the rest. As Christians, we, we should make it our daily aim to pursue Christ-like meekness. We should note it is a fruit produced by the Holy Spirit in the lives of the redeemed. It is only the result of the grace of God. This should cause us to see our total dependence on God and seek him to instill in us a spirit of meekness. Again, we should be humble disciples of Christ. You see, Jesus Christ was the paragon of meekness and gentleness. He was the perfect example of meekness and gentleness. 
In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus promises that if we take our yoke, if, if, if we take uh, his yoke upon ourselves with, with him, we will learn gentleness and lowliness. Kent Hughes explains this by saying, in biblical times, a young ox was yoked to an older, an older experienced ox so that the, the older might train him to perform properly by bearing the same yoke. The untrained ox learned the proper pace and how to heed the direction of the master. We learn by being yoked to Christ as we surrender our lives to him for our direction. May we look to Christ as our teacher. May we look to Christ as the one who has purchased this life by his blood and he exemplifies what it means to be meek. May he be a great example. Amen. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for Jesus Christ who came from heaven to earth to show the way. Thank you, Lord, that we can look to you even today for as, as our help, as our example. God, we know that we do not have the strength to follow your commands. It, it can only come from you. It is only your grace, oh God, that helps us to, to walk in your ways. It is only your grace that transforms us, oh God, from our, our worldly and, and human temperaments to, to being meek, to being gentle, to, to, to being humble. God, we pray and commit ourselves to you. Give us humble hearts, uh, humble hearts to receive your word and to apply it in our lives. For the sake of your name and your kingdom, we pray all this. And the church say, Amen. Amen.